0: Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865.
2: Here's Chris Schmitz. Welcome to it. Great to be with you on a Tuesday. It's Hale Varsity Radio presented By the Nebraska Lottery. Oh, plenty of college football to get into. CBS Sports in their hot seat rankings out for 2021. Uh, A name you know. High on the list. We'll dive into it. Mitch Sherman will be with us from The Athletic. Get his take on some Husker baseball when it comes to draft picks, additions in the form of Rob Childress and recruiting class. And then a man off to the Twins, Cade Povich. Third round pick. Uh, The lefty, the Friday night man, uh, Kate Povich, will be with us in 30 minutes. In hour two, some more perspective on the draft and, uh, of course, uh, Nebraska baseball's momentum. Jabba Chamberlain with us in one hour. And plenty of football with Rick Kaczynski. A Tuesday with Cass, former Nebraska defensive line coach. Also, Iowa defensive line coach. Numbers to get in. 466-3776. 466-3776. 800 825- 825- 5865. Can find us on Twitter. Give us a follow. Chris Schmidt at Schmidt underscore radio. Elijah Herbal at uh, Herbal Essence on Twitter for Elijah and can email Chris at com. How's your day, Elijah? You look like you're stressed. You're sweating. Were you uh, expecting your name to be called here uh, the last <laughs> few hours in the draft? I, I, I know you, ump, I didn't know you had a fastball. Well, yeah, the, uh, the MLB,
3: uh, umpires association draft is also this <laughs> weekend. It's concurrently... Uh, We're through the first five rounds. I haven't been picked yet, so it's discouraging. Just kidding. Uh, No, uh, nothing too bad today. I did have the adventure of uh, I was sitting in my backyard uh, watering my grass this morning. And with, with a hose, yes. Okay. I don't have it. I don't have this fancy, this
2: newfangled in-ground
3: sprinklers. I thought you were
2: having a beer at ten thirty. is where I was going.
3: <laughs> no, that's I, where I was. I, going. I planted some sod back there, and uh, the rain this over the weekend helped it, but then it was starting to dry out again. So I'm throwing some more water on it. And a random dog just runs into my backyard. And it's it's a husky, and it just started like playing in the water. And I was like, "Well, this is not my dog. I don't know what's going on here." And whenever I was trying to help him find his home. And like read his collar and see if I can f- figure out what the owners were up to. Uh, they, uh, the dog just ran down the street on me and, uh, chased it for a little bit and could not find the dog again. So I went, okay, well, not my dog, not my problem. Uh, so I, I started getting ready for work. And as I was leaving for work, the, uh, the, the couple who owned the dog was like driving up and down the street, uh, mm-hmm. calling for their dog. So I, I pointed them in the correct direction then came to work. And now I've been, uh, Efforting getting the salt dogs on the air as soon as they're out of their, uh, their rain delay over on our web stream on ESPN Lincoln.
2: Gotcha. Okay, so we are not streaming, sad face, but good that the dogs are, are streaming. Cool for them. You know, if a German Shepherd or Labradoodle somehow wander into your neighborhood... An answer by Roz or Gertie, don't call me. (laughs) Just let them be. Just let them happen. Okay, let's dive in. And uh, Dennis Dodd, friend of the show from time to time, does this every year. And you have the, the entire list of hot seat rankings for college football coaches. And you had nine college football coaches that are deemed to have their job on the line. Some of these coaches have been on the hot seat. Some have moved off. Others, well, they are not coaching this year, but they got a hefty number to go away. Derek Mason, the former defensive coordinator at Stanford. Uh, Was it Vandy? That's a no-win gig, sorry. Uh, Will Muschamp of South Carolina. Will's had a tough time, quite honestly, since leaving Texas. He's had some great jobs, Florida, South Carolina. Uh, no longer at South Carolina. Tom Herman got told to leave and Kevin Sumlin. Uh, it's been a long, long time since 11 and 2, a Cotton Bowl win over Oklahoma and the win over Bama with Johnny Football, where you, you, you took college football by storm in uh, 2012. Those were the four on the hot seat last year that got off. You have, uh, four that remain. On the hot seat, and there 's some, some five star rankings. five is uh, defined by this uh, when it comes to uh, the, the hot seat ranking. Uh, five means win or be fired. four means start improving now there 's three winner be fired there 's six. Start improving now. That's your total of nine. You have Justin Fuente of Virginia Tech. He's at a five. Randy Edsel. Oh, that's right. Yukon still has football. I forgot. Scott Frost, Nebraska per Dennis Dodd is at a five. Scott Frost leads the list. Here's what Dennis has to say. I wonder if Dennis will be at Big Ten Media Days. I think he will. I wonder if him and Scott will have a chat. And listen, Scott's not going to take the guy and shove him in a locker, although I'd pay to see it. You just you write something like this, and it pisses every coach off that's on that four or five ledger. It just does, right? You try and ignore it, go win the game. You want to be at a place that, that has expectations and has a passion, has a heartbeat, but pressure is pressure. And uh, here's what Dennis Dodd writes about Scott Frost. We never thought it would come to this entering into year four uh, the Native son, the champion, Nebraska. the Huskers are twelve and twenty there's disarray in the program that once bled consistency. Its best player, Wandale Robinson, transferred under uh, Nebraska under Frost has one top tr- top twenty recruiting class with the average recruit uh, aware that the once-glorious brand uh, is maybe not so much. There's the embarrassing Oklahoma fiasco, where Frost attempted to back out of the game months before kickoff. So much was expected, which makes this rating difficult. Frost has the makings of a solid coach. We saw it at Central Florida. Something isn't clicking. In three seasons, Nebraska has seen Northwestern, Indiana, And Minnesota, arguably, pass it by. There is inconsistency at quarterback. Worst of all, Bill Moose, the AD who hired Frost, is gone. That's never a good thing for a losing coach. It's bowl game or bust to start 2020 off. You had a rating of five. We talked about this a year ago during the desert season of July when it comes to sports radio. Well, we may get an athletic director announcement this week. And you have Scott Frost, a rating in at number five. Justin Fuente, Virginia Tech, in at number five. Randy Edsel in at number five. Herm Edwards, who's under investigation for breaking COVID protocol, is at a four. But he's won some games. (laughs) There's a digital (laughs) dossier. (laughs) You're right. He has won some games. Ed Orgeron, my that escalated quickly. We're not re- We're two years removed from a national championship in a 15-0 and run. But easy he Ed at a four. Is that a four? He's at a four. They're five and five. There's a lot of LSU brass that didn't want him in the first place. They inherited him. Ed put a great assistant staff around himself. You think of Brady, who was the quarterback coach, uh, you, you think of uh, the defensive coordinator. I forget if it was the guy that went to Cal or the guy that went to Baylor, but they were both former Wisconsin defensive coordinators. Didn't work out with Bo. Mm-hmm. It, it didn't. He had Mickey Joseph on that staff? Well, Mickey's still there well, with all the wide receivers. Well, I mean, yeah, but he was there for the championship run, too, was he? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Mickey, Mickey's still there. I'm saying your defensive staff. Okay, yeah. And, and, and uh, Joe Brady, your, your quarterback whisperer. So uh, Orgeron's at a four. Harbaugh's at a four. Harbaugh's always been at a four. He got the Michigan, signed the, the, the contract, and, and put on the blue blazer with the, with the yellow tie. And, and Harbaugh was at a four. Harbaugh goes 10 and three. He's at a four. But uh, they went two and four in 2020. Uh, he's got an incentive laden deal through 2025. Clay Helton, again, that goes back to kind of the LSU situation. There's a lot of USC alum, a lot of power money that Clay Helton's not a sexy enough name. But all Helton has done is go win a couple of Rose Bowls. Uh, Don't know who Walt Bell is. We'll say he's at UMass. Cool. Uh, And there you go. There's your lists. A couple of programs that no one cares about. And then you got USC. You have Michigan. You have Nebraska. You have LSU, Arizona State, and Virginia Tech on the hot seat list. Here's what I believe. I think there's pressure, clearly. I think there's angst, clearly. I think there's one two to to shove it down the naysayer's throats. I think that is alive and well and it should be. That's usually what type of response you get when you're doubted. I will show you. But I don't I mean barring like a barring a one or two win season or a three win season I I just don't think this is a reality, even with a new AD, whoever that is. I think the new AD's coming in here to clean up football, not clean out football, clean up versus clean out. And I don't think Scott Frost, while from a public support, a fan interest, a a a momentum standpoint. All of those things right now, yeah, we can have a it's not really even a discussion. We can go talk to Nebraska fans on the street, take your phone calls, hear your tweets, do whatever. And and right now your 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 morale for Nebraska football is like, prove it, wait and see, show me. That's fine. Because you've been cranked up for 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 the for the run, the success. Let's get back, right? I get it. Totally get it. And and you're not going to want your emotions or heart ripped apart by uh, by investing or gearing up and then falling flat on on your own fandom expectations. It's it's okay. You're a fan. You've you've followed this program for for years, for decades for some of you. But as far as just making a coaching change, uh it it's got to be really 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 bad. Like they've got to quit on him. And it's got to look like every game's got to look like 2017 Ohio State to me to even have this discussion in in five months. So that's where I'm at, and a a large part of that is whoever the new AD is going to come in and have a sit down with the head man. The head man's going to be like, "Here's where we're going. I think we're close." And they've got a they've got to beat teams, and they've got a they got to play at a level that uh is is consistent as in clean up your stuff um and a lot of it's how it looks for nebraska fans you don't like losing but you can deal with a loss if it's a loss in the form of man they they played good ball they made a lot of plays they were right there right and there's not been enough of those instances in some of the big games or the big opportunities.
3: I mean, there's been too much
2: embarrassment from but it's from, been a, it's from been, on the football field it's to trying diff- to back out of the Oklahoma game. and oh, sure, embarrassment sure. all around. It, it, but it's a different embarrassment than people pissed off at Wisconsin throwing up 70 on you. It's a different embarrassment when <laughs> you get your teeth kicked in as a top 25 team on a stage, yeah. right? Versus... No, someone jumped off sides on third and two, so it's now third and seven. Is there any ammo around so I can pleasantly put a gun in my mouth? Well, let's not kid ourselves. Nebraska still is on that big stage, just with less
3: expectation. Whenever Nebraska plays Oklahoma this year, it's going to be that same stage. When when Nebraska plays Illinois this year, it's going to be that same stage. Against Ohio State, even against Iowa. I mean, you name it, Nebraska is still going to be on that stage right now. It's just the the nation as a whole expects less out of Nebraska, so the
2: embarrassment is less. Well, and I think the fan base expects less. Mm -hmm. But it still doesn't... Water down the fact that you you used to be on the edge of your seat, like screaming your head off for that breakthrough win or wins, and you're you're eight and four, nine and four, and, and you're playing in a, in a bowl game that matters. Where you turn the corner, you get some momentum, and then you take that next step up where you win a division, or you're in it into November, uh, the last game on a Black Friday against Iowa, where it's for all the marbles versus. Uh, kind of a confidence-boosting win or getting over the hump and ending a uh, ending a losing streak to a team you can't stand losing to that's now a, a, a going on six straight games. So, yeah, I don't... You, you can put a five next to Scott Frost's number if you're CBS Sports. Uh, with that buyout and with a new AD that's going to, you would think, be patient. This isn't I-Course coming in to put a hit on anybody. That's not what this is going to be. I don't I don't think Scott Frost is, while there is pressure, while there's frustration, while it's not gone as, as of plan, I don't think he's going anywhere. I don't know about the rest of his staff, but I would say this about his staff. They are loyal. They traveled. Granted, you're jumping from, from group of five to power five, but he's had a number of dudes on his staff that have had other options, other offers. They've stuck. They've been loyal. They're good coaches. They recruit, and they develop. And Greg Austin does a hell of a job. I think Coach Fisher does a hell of a job. I can't wait to see what Lubick does based off some of what his offenses did at Oregon and Washington. If you get to get going downhill running the football, linebackers have gotten better. Defensive line's been nice with to- 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 uh, Tony Tuioti. And then you got Bill Bush here along with uh, Dawson and outside backer. So listen, are, are your special teams going to be better? Is your defense going to be tough? You can say, Yeah, the defense will be better. You can hope the defense will be better. Special teams has got to make a jump. And you stop turning the damn football over? I mean, that's what you got to see this fall. You limit turnovers. Hey, you have a couple more uh, drives where you score versus giving the other team the football at the 50. Yeah, you kick it and down the the ball inside the 20 versus an 80-yard punt return or a 40-yard return that sets somebody up at the 50 defensively. Can you get after the quarterback? So... You know, Searles nailed it. Are you having to blitz every third down? We'll uh, talk some ball with Mitch Sherman next. to Hale Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery.
0: And we're back. Fellas, so, think we could listen to the radio? On hail Varsity
2: Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery.
3: Yes! That's awesome!
2: We'll get some of your calls and emails coming up here on the Hot Seat Rankings. We welcome in with The Athletic, it's Mitch Sherman. Uh, at Mitch Sherman on Twitter, Mitch, uh, how's uh, how's your summer, man? Baseball winding down for you?
4: It Is officially over? I guess you could say as of yesterday or today, you know the worst part of a baseball season is the day after the season when you have to try out for next year. so yeah, that's, uh that's over. Youth baseball is uh, done for the summer. I can not think about it until uh, I don't know, like September. So that's uh that's uh that's how it goes. But yeah, uh summer's summer's good. Now it's like officially summer, I guess. I can I can think about uh what I'm going to do to relax until next Thursday when I go to Indianapolis for Big 10
2: media days. Well, we will bump into you, hopefully uh, in Indy. That'll be good to to see you and get back at it at media days. Mitch, will we have a new AD uh, in Lincoln between now and next Thursday?
4: That's a great question. Uh you know, I wrote couple of weeks ago that it would be not ideal for nebraska and scott frost if the school went to big 10 media days without an athletic director because that would be a question that frost will face and not a whole lot that he can say that is gonna is going to uh um you know sound reassuring Mm -hmm. if uh, if there's nobody in that chair but um we may be headed in that way. I wouldn't be surprised either way, to be honest, at this point. Uh, I feel like, based on comments that Chancellor Green has made, that it's definitely something you wanted done by the end of the month. But, uh, and I do still think it'll be done by the end of the month. Big Ten Media Days uh, is more than a week before the end of the month. Mm-hmm. So it could fall after that. It could fall before that. It's hard to gauge right now, Chris, where this thing is at because there's not a lot early in the search. As you know, there were, there were, there were whispers. There were, I think um, on target uh, conversations outside of the calls of the university about who was being discussed for the position. And a lot of that is quieted down. Uh, perhaps it's a sign that Nebraska has zeroed in on its target and is working out some kind of an arrangement um or it could be a sign that this thing is stalled and they are at a place where it's not necessarily close to being done so i don't know which one of those things it is um and you know if it's the former uh you're probably going to have an ad before big ten media Mm -hmm. days if it's the latter we could be going into preseason camp, which starts on, I believe, the 29th or 30th uh, with that seat still open.
2: Mitch Sherman's with us, the Athletic, KLVar City Radio, and you can find Mitch on Twitter at Mitch Sherman. You know, they're either close or uh, they, got a, they got a ways to go to get to even the 50-yard line on this thing. And, you know, a name that the, there's the same four or five names that have been mentioned. There's... Uh, you know, we've already uh, discussed Jamie Pollard at length, and, and he uh, made his statement on that with the podcast. We don't hear much about Ed Stewart. Um, you're wondering about uh, a guy like Trev Alberts, and that's a name that you're wondering if that's going to pick up some steam. Is is he a, a guy that that is, you know, a reality? Obviously, he's been a, a name that's out there. You know, yeah. I don't. I know Trev a little bit, but I don't know Trev well enough to say, "Hey, bro, what's uh, what's the deal?" <laughs> you know, I, I what's yeah. what's 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 your read on on the opportunity in Lincoln, knowing Trev and his history here versus what he's accomplished at, at UNO and the comfort level he's got at UNO.
4: The comfort level at UNO is high. Um, his happiness with the city of Omaha and his family being here is a plus for sure um, in UNO's bid to keep him. Um, I think we can read into the fact that in 2017, when Nebraska set out to hire an athletic director and his name came up, Trev put out a statement um, during that search saying that he was not a candidate or would not be a candidate. We have not heard anything like that in in this situation. So until – or it, it, unless we hear that, mm-hmm. I think you can assume that it's a possibility. I wouldn't say it's a, it's a likely possibility um, because of the situation that he has in Omaha. I feel like he's content, and you know he has a legacy that he's built at UNO, and it's not necessarily an aspirational position for him to climb the ladder and get to his alma mater. Um, when Trev came to UNO and took that job, just because he was a former all-american at Nebraska and he was getting into athletic administration and he was doing it at a place that was within the system of UNL. He, he, there, it was easy to expect that he would, he would at some point want to take over that job. And, you know, at that time, I believe Tom Osborne was the AD and Tom Osborne was Trev's coach. So it made a lot of sense that maybe he would be the next one to fill that position. Um, Obviously Nebraska's had two ADs come and go since that time and Trev remains with the Mavs. So yeah, I, I you know, overall in like the list of all of the candidates, you know, I would I would look closely at him, but I wouldn't necessarily say that I expect him to make the jump. Mm-hmm. Um, there's not any one person who I look at right now and I say, Okay, this guy in my mind has a 50-50 or better chance to make the jump. But yeah, Trev is for sure. I think, a name to keep an eye on until we hear otherwise. Mm-hmm. I feel like Nebraska, um, the University of Nebraska-Lincoln, has a need to uh, do better in Omaha with, uh, on a number of levels, with its, with its fundraising, uh, with its recruiting, with its exposure, uh, in, in a sense. I mean, obviously everybody knows about the Huskers in Omaha, but it's the population center of the state. And I don't feel like there's the same kind of momentum for the Huskers in Omaha right now that there is in other parts of the state in a number of areas. And Trev certainly could bring that. He has connections in Omaha that run deep because of his time with the Mavs and just because he's lived here, here. I'm in Omaha because he's lived here for as long as he has. So I know that's something that would factor in his favor if he is in fact interested in the job. But at this point, we don't even know if he's interested
3: Mitch, Trev could help that connection between Lincoln and Omaha, but doesn't that, that connection to Omaha start with success on the football field? Is that a, a reasonable evaluation?
4: Yeah, I mean, I, that's
3: absolutely. Uh,
4: when, when Nebraska wins in
3: football, it has no problem
4: recruiting in the city of Omaha. And it's not all about football recruiting. It's easy to look at right now because the Huskers have struggled, um, especially in this 2022 class, to sign the best players from Omaha. Um, and even in the 21 class with Keegan Johnson and, and um, uh, Avante Dickerson, who went to Oregon, they, it, wasn't, uh, you know, it wasn't show up and, and, and sign the top players. Now, there have been good players from Omaha who've come to Nebraska in the Scott Frost era. Um, but in these last two classes, it's been more, more of, a, of, of a struggle. I think some of that has to do with the pandemic, um, and a lot of it, does have to do with just the lack of success. Um, you know, I think we've talked about this before about how, in general, not with every player, but in general, uh, the prospects out of the city of Omaha have their eyes open more to a national scene than you would find for a kid from Pierce, Nebraska, or from Columbus, Nebraska, um, or from Grand Island, or even Lincoln. So those things all factor in the need for Nebraska to have a connection in Omaha. But it's, it goes beyond that. You know, of course, there's a ton of money in Omaha that, that has helped the university um, through the generations and continues to. Um, but, it, you know, it, Nebraska, of course, would, would like to tap into that even more. And Alberts would be somebody who could help that bit.
2: Mitch, going to go to baseball here. Uh, your reaction to Rob Childress back in Lincoln?
4: It's just great for for the coaches, for the players, um, for recruiting. I um, mean, imagine if you're Drew Christo, who today announced that uh, he is in fact coming to Nebraska for the next three years at a minimum. Well, I'd expect it to be three years mm-hmm. to pitch for the Huskers. You expect him to be an ace, an ace on the mound as a starting pitcher, and now you know not only does he get to work with Jeff Christie as a pitching coach and play for Will Bolt, who's one of the hotter young coaches in the country, but he gets to have Rob Childress in his corner who can take guys and has taken guys who are, who have a fraction of the talent um, that Drew Christo has and has turned them into professional pitchers, into major league pitchers. So that only extends out to other recruits and Childress's, uh, success, especially with pitchers, but as a head coach at Texas A&M, with players all across the diamond and turning them into pros and, and helping them achieve their goals as college players and getting to the postseason and winning in the postseason and getting to Omaha, you know, it brings another level of credibility to Will Bolt's program. So it's great for the players. It's great for the recruits. And it's just it's fantastic for those coaches. You know, these guys all worked for Rob Childress at Texas A and M. Nebraska's full-time coaches all did, and now he's coming to work with them to get the get the band back together. And and you know, when they were there in College Station, they had a lot of successful times. And uh, this will only add to Nebraska's ability to become a dominant program in the Big Ten. And to get back to the College World Series, where you know they've, they've been striving to to again reach since 2005, when Rob Childress, incidentally, was in his final year on mm-hmm. the Nebraska staff.
2: Mitch, about 90 seconds—a quick thought on Povich and, and Schwellenbach, uh, where they went.
4: Yeah, um, for Nebraska to have a couple of uh, a couple of guys go in the top three rounds in the draft, you know, it just shows you the development in a short period of time that Bolt and, and Christie in particular, you know, Schrollenbach is, is, uh, is likely, I would say, going to be a pitcher at the next level despite all of the success that he had as a hitter and a shortstop in, in college. Um, I, you know, I believe he projects as a starting pitcher, and, and Povis obviously does too, mm-hmm. um, project on the mound. So even without Rob Childress, you know, Jeff Christie is doing a great job of turning these guys into into uh, professional arms, and and then Cam Win too mm-hmm. uh, today going in the twentieth round, um, you see another guy on the mound from Nebraska going going into professional baseball. If if assuming that's the route that he chooses to take, um, that's uh, that's fantastic. Um, it speaks highly of Bolt and his staff, and is another feather in the cap for the Huskers.
2: Mitch Sherman's with us from the Athletic. Can find Mitch on Twitter. At Mitch Sherman is uh, where you find him. And uh, Mitch, this was uh, fun. Thanks for, for checking in with us uh, on the AD, on some Oscar baseball. And uh, we'll, uh, we'll check in next week and then also uh, bump into you uh, at Indy. So uh, thanks for the time and, and rest up. Uh, job well done with the baseball season.
4: Yeah, thanks, Chris. Can't uh, look forward to seeing you next week.
2: All right, take care. There he is, Mitch Sherman with us from The Athletic. Good to hear from him. We'll uh, spend time uh, reaction on Rob Childress and the MLB draft from Jabba Chamberlain in 20 minutes. Rick Kaczynski. And how about Cade Povich? He's next. He's a twin. We'll talk to Cade on the way with Hale Varsity. And now. And now, back to Hale Hale Varsity Radio. Good stuff from Mitch Sherman. Java Chamberlain's coming up. Rick Kaczynski on the way. We welcome in the newest member of the Minnesota Twins. We say hi to Cade Povich, standout Husker. Cade, congratulations on your day yesterday. How are you?
5: Thank you. I'm, I'm doing great. How are you guys?
2: Doing outstanding. Take us through your experience. Uh, was it enjoyable? Was it nerve-wracking? What was draft day like for you?
5: Um, It was a little bit of everything. <laughs> uh, I think... The, the kind of waiting and the buildup um, brought some nervousness and I guess some anxiousness. Uh, but once it all happened, I mean, it was it was just a bunch of excitement with with my family and friends.
2: Cade Povich, with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. Cade, take us through your journey uh, with uh, with high school and JUCO, and then uh, a chance to to thrive in Lincoln. Uh, Tell us how you were to, able to, to stay determined. Uh, you, you've had a great career, and you've put in a lot of work.
5: Yeah, I mean, it was um, kind of something but playing at Nebraska and, and getting drafted were um, two kind of dreams that were always high on my list. And, uh, you know, in high school I wasn't always the biggest kid and wasn't throwing the hardest. But I was able to, to produce and, and get outs, Um and then I was able to to go to a junior college and do the same thing. And um, <clears throat> Coach Bolt, uh, you know, he he reached out to me and um, he he kind of took took a bet on on trying to get me. And um, you know, I just kind of stayed with the process and, and trusted what he had in plan for me, and um, just continued to work and, and try and get as as good as I possibly could.
3: Kate, I, I want to hear about your, your JUCO experience. Um, what did JUCO teach you? And, and do you think that it, it put a chip on your shoulder as you were going to Nebraska and, and trying to make a name for yourself? Did it give you a little something to prove the fact that you were a guy who went to
5: a junior college? Oh, absolutely. I mean, down there it's it's basically, you know, you're you're all by yourself, you and your teammates. It's, you know, school until school 12 o'clock and then, the rest of the day till six or seven is pretty much either baseball or lifting. Um, And, and I mean, you're feeding yourself, learning how to, how to cook and, and do all that. Um, So, I mean, it's definitely kind of, kind of the thing where you kind of have to figure out if um, baseball is something that you really, really enjoy and really want to keep doing. And, um, you know, when you move on, it, it just, I feel like it makes you a better man and, um, on and off the field.
2: When we talk about about the Twins, uh, their discussions with you regarding role, uh, what do they project for you, and, and what's been your reception to to where they they see you?
5: Yeah, I mean, what what I've kind of talked to them with um, in, in the last twenty four hours is, um, you know, they're they're wanting starting pitching, and um, you know, that's kind of where they see me progressing and. Uh, obviously, I'm. I still have a, a, a good ways to go as far as putting on strength and and putting on weight, and and they believe that as well. And um, so, I mean, whichever way works out, where where I can get to the big leagues and throw and um, whatever position they see me at is is what I'll I'll try and stick with.
3: Now, when we when you were going through that that pre-draft process, were were the Twins a team that you thought was going to take you? Who, who did you think was scouting you, hard and who do you think liked you? And what do you think the Twins liked about you that made them pick you in the third round?
5: Uh, it was as far as teams, I'd say it was up in the air between a few. Um, you know, there there were some that were were kind of more heavy in the in the winter, I would say, and in the fall. Uh, as far as you know, reaching out and and communicating with me. And then um, some of those teams continued into the spring and and recently. And, um, you know, I knew the twins were were one of them that was, that were reaching out a little bit more than maybe some other teams. And then um, I think I started figuring it out more when uh, this past week they had invited me and um, three other guys to target field to do a workout. And, um, you know, they had, they had talked to me a little bit and, and they all, how they, they enjoyed watching me and, and were big fans and um, wanted to make me a twin and um, obviously the the draft there's so much unexpectedness in it mm-hmm. um, you never know but at the same time I had had a feel it might have been the twins.
2: Cade Povich with us, Hale Varsity Radio uh, standout Husker now off to the Minnesota Twins. Cade, what oh. did what did this year mean to you uh, and and mean to Nebraska baseball? Incredible season, obviously but uh you guys really got the, the the fans uh ignited but more importantly the the team itself had had success um what what was that experience for you this season
5: yeah i mean it was it was unbelievable uh the, the group of guys that that we have um on the coaching staff and players is um uh, i mean it was a brotherhood with with everyone and um, you know, the, the stuff Coach Bolt and, and all the coaches are doing uh, to, to kind of show that Nebraska baseball's back. And, um, you know, I think probably, possibly even next year is, is when, you know, you'll finally start seeing that so there's, there's going to be some of the best Nebraska baseball teams to ever play coming around. And, um, you know, it, it's not going to be long before Coach Bolt gets a national championship. Wow, that
3: that's that's high praise
5: there.
2: That's high praise, but that's also like confidence in your voice. <laughs> being being in it and seeing oh, yeah. it, right? I mean
5: Yeah, no, I'm I'm fully confident in that. And um, you know, with with the guys that are, are coming back and um some of the recruits that, that are coming in next year, I I think it it's what what happened this year is just gonna be built off of and um you know the, the guys are hungry, and, and the guys want it really bad. So when you talk about the
3: the future success that could be coming, and especially with Rob Childress coming in now and some of the recruits, how difficult of a decision was it to decide to go off and, and play professional baseball? I know it's almost impossible to turn down that third round money, um, but how hard a decision was that for you?
5: Yeah, I mean, of, it's it's obviously not an easy decision. It's one, it's it's the team that I've dreamt for playing playing my whole life. Um, and on the other side of that the the draft and going playing pro ball is is also another dream that that I wanted to build off of so you know it was, it's it's a lot of i guess back and forth um thinking about different things and and talking with family as well but you know right now I think the biggest thing is we're just kind of enjoying the moment
2: Cade, uh, I want to go back to to your time at Juco, and you mentioned that you, you learned to cook for yourself. What was on Cade Povich's menu? What's your specialty?
5: Lots of chicken. I <laughs> I think... You a Wings this, this guy or what? <laughs> am I a what?
2: Are you a Wings guy or what?
5: Oh, no, I cook in chicken breast. Okay. I pride myself on my, my good seasoning and sauce. <laughs> so... <laughs> I'd so, say, I say chicken breast guy.
2: Okay, so chicken breast is awesome and and you're like it's probably not dry, right? Cuz that's like the worst. Are you uh, Oh no, never never dry. Never dry. Are you a dry rub guy or do you just do a lot of buffalo sauce on the side?
5: Uh do a little buffalo sauce and then a little bit of seasoning too.
2: Okay. Heard it here first. Cade Povich likes him some breasts. His his, his (laughs) line of of chicken breasts. There we go. Uh, Cade, (laughs) hey, man, best to you. Congrats on on Minnesota and uh, future success to you. Thanks for for your time with us today on Hale Varsity.
5: Thank you, guys. Thanks for having me on.
2: Take care. There he is, Cade Povich, and uh, uh, his chicken breasts are incredible. Great seasoning. A little buffalo sauce, but uh, two dreams, right? Nebraska. Always wanted the ball for them. Did amazing. Now off to the majors. Uh, we'll wind down hour one next. Chime
0: in. 402 espn or email the show. Chris at HaleVarsity.com.
2: Just try me. Try me. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. Ten minutes away, Jabba Chamberlain. We'll talk Husker baseball and MLB draft with Jabba. Good to get caught up with Mr. Chabelet, also uh, Rick Kaczynski. Some football thoughts. We'll get Kaz's take on the hat seat listing by Dennis Dodd. Numbers to get in, 466 37 825 5865 Thanks to Cade Povich. Uh, congrats to him. I loved watching him ball, man. Uh, just an incredible thrower for Nebraska, and best wishes to him. Uh, off to the majors, With the Twins and Mitch Sherman. Good discussion with him. Reminder about buckling up. 70% of people in fatal crashes in Nebraska are not wearing their seatbelt. If used properly, a seatbelt can reduce the risk of fatal injury by 60%. Your best defense in any crash. Buckling up. Brought to you by the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office. You can email chris at halevarsity.com and give us a follow. Find us on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio, Chris Schmidt at Herbal Essence for Elijah Herbal, uh, if you want to find Elijah there on Twitter. So the, uh, the, the the two, like, look at the scale here of returning and being a part of a team that the Cade Povich believes Nebraska baseball can and will win a national championship or let's follow and chase that dream of of going off to major league baseball. Uh that's that's a winner man behind every door for him good for good for Cade. So college football's most hostile environments. And uh this was uh tweeted out by college football news. LSU is ranked as the most hostile environment. You look at their win loss total 62 and 10. Uh, in the uh, the last ten years, uh, excuse me, twenty years of college football, uh, Penn State's number two, A and M three, Florida four. The swamp. You knew the only guy that could go win in the swamp was Terry Bowden. Like he's the only guy that that won against Spurrier, Ohio State. No one wins in Columbus. I think the last team to win at night in Columbus was Vince Young. Honestly, uh, if you take out that. Uh, that 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 horrific uh, post-Tattoo Gate season. Uh, Clemson in at six, Georgia seven, Oregon eight, Wisconsin nine, OU in at ten. OU has a Kansas State problem. Honestly, I think the last team to win at Clemson was uh, was Pitt. Uh, Narduzzi's first season on a game-winning field goal. Clemson will take a break, but they still kill everybody in the ACC, so they're 12-1 and every year. Oregon's been dynamite at, at home. But in, in Ohio State's really about the only team that goes in and wins at Penn State. Last year's last year. But most seasons, A&M gets cranked up and crazy, too. That's loud uh, it's been called Psychoville for a reason, but night games at LSU, Death Valley—that's right there. Let's flip this around. OU's got the worst record at home, of well, worst being relative. Fifty-seven and nine, Wisconsin sixty-three and nine, and uh, you have Oregon's, <laughs> Oregon sixty-one and ten. That's that's nuts. I mean, you just. If you had one, like, non-Nebraska night game to attend, where would you go?
3: Mm, That's a good question.
2: I I think I'd probably head to either LSU or Oregon. That's where I'd go. Jabba Chamberlain's up next on Hale Varsity Back into an hour Two. it's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Let's uh, talk to a Husker standout, a 10-year MLB vet, a World Series champ, and a guy who knows a thing or two about Husker baseball, Jabba Chamberlain, back with us. Jabba, what's going on, man? How's the summer?
1: Everything's good. Just chasing my son around. Uh, We're finally in the area and state tournament, so it's kind of winding down. And, uh, you know, just been able to to follow the – high school baseball circuit which has been kind of interesting and entertaining and you know you learn a lot of stuff throughout you know with the new rules and all the other stuff so you know it's just been fun chasing him and watching him grow and you know just enjoying the summer
2: so tell me about junior is he on the hill is he a position guy uh what what's uh what's his shakedown
1: uh he's playing short and pitching he's actually pitching tonight so I think I get more nervous when he pitches than I ever did pitching, so it's always <laughs> a, it's always an interesting day when Carter's on the bump, that's for sure.
2: Well, I, Junior's been on the hill a few times. We're winding our season down, and he's off to high school uh, next year, so... But yeah, he uh, he he was on the hill a few times, and I kind of go stay. I'm, I'm that dad that goes off by myself and just uh, kind of paces around. But uh, Junior's ten times the thrower I ever was, so I don't ever pile on him.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's it's one of those things you always got to go and try to get away. I can't sit behind. I think I sat behind one time with my dad at Sherman just because mm-hmm. it was kind of. Nostalgic to sit with him at Sherman. He's watched me there, and I get to watch my son and my dad there. So, other than that, I'm usually roaming, eating seeds, and then trying to stay out of the way.
2: Oh, yeah. And Jabba Chamberlain's with us. Hail, Varsity Radio. Well, Rob Childress uh, going to be back apart in Nebraska as the development director. And I know you have a special uh, relationship with Rob. Let's start with with your time with him uh, back at Nebraska and just uh, how, how things kind of progressed with you two to, to a great career at Nebraska?
1: I mean, I, th- I think the relationship started beforehand without me even knowing Rob. Um, Rob and my former coach, Doug Kaltenberger, uh, who was at Southwest, was at Northeast with me. And so I'd kind of gone to Kearney, kind of did my stuff. I was a young senior, so I was able to come back and play. And, you know, they finally came out and watched Johnny Dorn and I in Grand Island and got the opportunity and Rob and Doug were lived down the street from each other. And, you know, finally I come back and finally I wake up from a nap after I pitched in Clarinda, Iowa, and actually Jeff Christie was my catcher that day. Um so kind of all full circle, you know. So come and literally say, Hey, I'm gonna take the opportunity to try and come to Nebraska, you guys wanna give it to me and, and that's kinda how it started and just I think the relationship with rob was just he expected so much out of you and and not expected so much out of you on the mound he expected you as a man and and just the way you competed and that was this whole thing i think maybe we worked on pitching a couple times but he goes if you go out and give me everything you got that's all i can ask and i'll still never forget and i and i do this with myself and and my son's kids but my son's teammates but not like how rob did it it's like one one counts, that changes the thing, and we'd always have 10 game checkups. And that's things is that I always like go back to, even with myself when I played, was having 10 game checkups with myself. Strikeouts three to one, sixty percent strikes. What's your percentage in one one counts? What was your percentage in oh counts? And like just I think the things that he instilled in me that I don't really you didn't really think about when you played, mm-hmm. but as you get away from it and step back and and I just think the way that he broke down the game but didn't like force it on you he'd be the first one on your butt, but he'd also be the first one with his arm around you saying why he was, because he knows you're better and he expects more. And, you know, just seeing his fireness and the way that he went about it, it was just, it was fantastic. And when I saw this, I I mean, when I heard about him leaving A&M, I could only dream of him coming here in some capacity and kind of how it it all comes full circle to try to get this program to where we know it can be
2: job at chamberlain's with us with, with coach Childress with Rob, it sounds like, and I've, I've only, you know, bumped into him a couple of times and this, this goes back, you know, when when you were there. So it's been a while and I thought he was incredible at a and M. Um, it sounds like he is just a fantastic at motivating, but B he's wonderful at communicating. Uh, you know, he has that why uh, even though he seems old school with his competitiveness in a good way, it seems like his communication skills to get the best out of you are, are tip top.
1: I think it's yeah, like you said, I think it's a, a little of both. Like he, you know, some people that always stay old school and that's all they do. And then there's some people that new school that, you know, aren't that, that, not to say they're not competitive but mm-hmm. just not in in a way to where it, it feels like it's assertive but not abrasive right and I think he just understands the ability to be able to relate and understand each player because there's some players where you can do certain things too and there's other players you can't do that too and I just think his understanding of both sides of the fence has made him just what he is and just respected and you know, just the the honor of being able to play for him and seeing what he's done at A&M and, you know, going through my career in Major League Baseball, all the people that have played for him and just the stories that we get to tell and some that we can say in interviews and there's some that we can't say in interviews. And, you know, I I think that's the greatest part of him and just the, the understanding of the game and the understanding of the individual and what gets the most out of that certain individual. Because at that point, understanding and being the leader that he is, you understand if I make that individual better, it makes our team better because strength is in numbers. And if we can get everybody on the same page and believing in themselves and having somebody that believes in us as well, I think it just is the reason he's been so successful in his, his career as a coach.
2: As you look at Nebraska's season and what a what a great job by Will Bolt, his staff, the, the kids. I mean, the team was incredible. They had that that grit, that toughness a lot like your ball clubs. And, uh, you know, th- there's there's such a, a momentum spurt with, with this baseball program right now with Will Bolt and what he's doing. And then you add Rob Childress to it. I mean, it, it's almost too good to be true. Are you surprised Rob's back, or are you not surprised because he does love Nebraska?
1: I think a little bit of both. When I heard it, you know, people were asking, you know, what do you think? And, you know, obviously you know having his daughter go here and mm-hmm. and in that relationship and his love for nebraska you know i think it was it was one of those things obviously being from texas he wanted to be able to have that opportunity to go and, and do that there does it surprise me a little bit no i mean I, in the back of my mind the only thing i'm thinking i was like how do we get this dude on board like i know he wants to in some capacity and obviously he's given will a great chance and look what will turned out to be and sure you know it was fun watching the team and and you can see the fieriness and and obviously I didn't see Will through his career as a coach but seeing him play and knowing that he had learned from Rob to see the way that you know he managed games and and seeing what he got it's like some people are like did we overachieve and I'm like no look what we had like we had guys that bought in they believed we had guys that were in this program that understand how special this program would be especially look when we got fans in the stands we have the greatest fans in the world in college baseball just I mean the love that we have and you know we get three kids drafted in the top 20 rounds and just to see the success. And it's it's going to build. It's going to keep building. We're going to keep winning. We're going to keep getting kids. We're keeping kids in state. You know, Drew Christo coming in and just the opportunity and the name that he's created for himself. But obviously, you know, these three kids that are going to compete, you know, for big league jobs. And it's just, it's going to keep building and adding a name like this is only going to help build a program that knows where they want to be and then can get there.
2: What do you think this uh, this this regional did for, for Nebraska? A baseball.
1: i think well i mean it was it was a tough draw let's put it that way um <laughs> but at the same time I'm, i'll put it i'll put it nicely there,
2: there's other nicely. ways we can we can beep
1: <laughs> <laughs> right but i think it's just the understanding of the belief in the program that all right it happens you know we're still good enough it doesn't matter you know what let's Let's play the cards we're dealt. But at the same time, it's like we are better than what people think we are. Let's go prove people wrong. And I think that's the mentality because, you know, we don't get the huge names. We don't get the five-star guys or whatever. But we have great talent in the state. And Will and those guys do a great job of understanding the recruiting aspect and getting the right kids in this program to be successful. So I think just getting to that aspect of it and understanding that we can compete we're not just a team that's there that got selected. No, we can compete and beat you. That's, uh... and I, and that's the biggest building block that we can have. And just the kids buying in, which they have mm-hmm. and understanding. That's like, Hey, we're not just a team that's here. We can win. So let's just build on that and keep going. And I think that's the biggest aspect we can take from that.
2: Jabba Chamberlain, a few minutes with us. Hale varsity radio, touching on Nebraska baseball, Rob Childress, back to Lincoln And uh, Jabba, uh, let's go back to your draft day. Uh, You had a number of Huskers go uh, in uh, the 2021 MLB draft. What do you remember about uh, hearing your name called that phone call?
1: Uh, Well, I got a lot of phone calls, but the one thing I remember, I just became a father. So I was holding my son and his baby Bjorn walking around so he could stop crying. So I really wasn't focused so much on, on the draft and trying to answer my phone. I was kind of more worried about making sure my son wouldn't be crying as I was getting the phone calls. So it was going, (laughs) it's a memorable one for sure. I'll never forget that. So watching, you know, Jack Leiter and, and his dad Al and getting to know Al from just playing Mm -hmm. and and seeing that relationship. It's like, you go back and that, those memories of, you know, if your son ever gets that opportunity to like, tell this story. So yeah, mine was just walking around in my sister's basement with my son, his baby Bjorn, trying to get him to stop crying. And, waiting for the phone call and then we got it. And then I was like, all right, well, I got to pass him off because I got to go do media stuff. Mm. So I'm going to take, I'm going to take a break from dad duty.
2: <laughs> who, who was it? Was it Steinbrenner who called you?
1: No, it was kind of back and forth. Cause it was just, I mean, the draft is crazy as if a lot of people don't understand the draft, there's a lot of mock drafts and all this mm. other things, but you know, I was literally supposed to go early in the draft as high as three, 15, 17, 18 and going 41 to the Yankees. So there's a lot of phone calls back and forth and it's your agent getting back and forth. Well, your advisor at the time, mm-hmm. but, so it's just that going back and forth in the phone calls of like, Hey, this is going to happen. Check it. And, and at that point, we weren't so far in the draft to where, you know, you just followed it on the internet. And, you know, after now we've got the first couple rounds that, you know, are on TV and what have you now it's kind of the internet aspect so yeah that's literally kind of what I was doing is you know walking him around checking getting a phone call then going to look to see who was drafted and just kind of going back and forth so in that aspect is as you get later in the rounds you know you're watching the internet but yeah the the draft is a crapshoot I mean it's it's one of those things where you see guys that were expected to go here here and here and next thing you know you know they're falling to 15 16 and you're kind of figuring out what goes on but you know, that's one of those things where it gives you a chip on your shoulder too. It's like, well, I know I'm better than that, so let's go prove it. And you know, three months later I was in the big leagues after I got drafted, so we did we did all right.
2: Jabba, some thoughts there on on Shwelly, uh going where he went to Atlanta. Uh what you like about his game and, and what's your projection? Do you do you think he's gonna be a guy they, they load up on, on the hill or is he a position guy or, or what what's your read on it?
1: Yeah, it was it was interesting because I was able to watch his Combine video on the mound and then listen to some stuff from Jim Callis and those guys of you know, kind of the feel of what they had for Schwelly of and it was from the take in the in the people that I talked to, it was kind of half and half
0: mm-hmm.
1: of what we see him and I go, let him let him fail at one before you figure the other out. The kid is talented. He's proved it at a high level and you've seen what he can do. So I mean and I was listening to CeCe uh, talk about this about a month ago. And if you've got kids this talented at this level, why stick them to one another? I mean, obviously we're seeing a dude that is, I don't think Otani's human of what he's doing. (laughs) He's awesome. But let's give the kids an opportunity. There's so many kids that are really good at both. And not to say this, there's one side that's better than the other, Mm -hmm. but let them fail at one because – They've been successful for this reason. Like, he was successful on the mound because you're not always thinking about it. He was successful playing shortstop and doing the things that he did there because he just – he was able to get the break. So, I want to see him try to do both. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, as as his profile projected when they drafted him, it said shortstop. Mm-hmm. So, I don't I don't know how that's going to relate to what it is. But it, it's exciting to see a kid like that that, that has done so much for – the club and done everything mm-hmm. for himself and, and be proud of that and understand like, Hey, you know, I have the opportunity to be drafted and it was a team that I grew up watching and oh, yeah. understanding the history of it and just embrace it and go, go have fun. I mean, it, it's such a cool experience and I'm excited to see where it goes. He, I mean, he's a great talent and it's going to be fun to watch
2: thoughts on povich uh was maybe end of third uh, somewhere in the fourth but uh, minnesota got him uh, a little bit earlier than that uh, what do you think think about cade
1: uh yeah i think his sepo. i mean they got him at 98 i think was the pick mm-hmm. and i think his pitchability is fantastic i think just his knowledge for the game and understanding situations and i just think that comes from you know just the experience of getting on the bump and pitching in big games and you know sequences change like obviously when you get in advanced levels, sequences has changed in the at bat like mm-hmm. now you know facing these kids but he was so good and just being able to be in the zone and you know being able to bounce back from not so great outings that he knew that he could pitch better but just seeing the adjustments that he would make and you know, i think it's a great fit one of my favorite ballparks to pitch in target field and mm-hmm just the opportunity to to go and, and get after it. And, you know, it's so nice compared to last year, being able to see these kids that, you know, going to be able to sign quick and, you know, put a pro ball uniform on and, and get after it and show what they can do at the next level.
2: Jabba Chamberlain with this. Jabba, we'll, we'll do this again. Thanks for taking a few minutes and uh, giving us some of your uh, expertise on it. I always appreciate hearing from you, man.
1: Anytime, I appreciate it.
2: Java Chamberlain, good stuff. Thoughts on Nebraska baseball. The draft will dive back into football. The hot seat discussion. And Rick Kaczynski, a Tuesday with Kaz, next.
0: On Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery.
2: Yes! That's awesome! Back into it, it's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Time for a Tuesdays with Kaz. Chad Rick Kaczynski, defensive line coach, Nebraska and Iowa with this Coach, uh, what's up? How's your Tuesday?
6: Yeah, can't complain, man. Just uh, heading home, trying to beat this traffic. But all in all, man, been good.
2: So, Kaz, uh, you're, you're a heck of a lineman, heck of a coach, but you could have been a city engineer, right, when we talk interstate systems?
6: <laughs> I, I tell you, sometimes sometimes I wonder if I uh, could get a group of uh, – Folks together do a little bit better, but uh, but it's probably no different than the folks in the stands that see the tight end open all the time and all the stuff <laughs> the coaches don't see. That's that's just right there. We just refuse. We just refuse to uh, you know throw to the tight end or refuse to tackle and all that other stuff that uh, you know we don't we don't cover in practice. Right? So I'll let the engineers engineer. We'll let the coaches coach, and I, I think that'll keep the equilibrium
2: in the world. That's pretty good. You know, 100 years ago, I remember this uh, this ad campaign where uh, it was Air Ozzy, right? People were just piling on T.O. because he ran the ball too much. So the campaign was was Air Ozzy. So I, I forget the specifics. Like if they throw for 200 yards, you get a free side of fries or something like that. But that, that was... <laughs> that was that was the, the 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 fun was the Air Aussie campaign and my dad had an Air Aussie hat and well they had Johnny Mitchell to throw to back then so the old third and eight option pass was open and it uh, it worked hey. a few times
6: <laughs> well and now now we don't run the ball enough right so it's all <laughs> it's all cyclical man right
2: yeah <laughs> no kidding what were some Bring that boring offense back. Yeah, give me the yeah. Run the ball, run the ball, right? Uh, what uh, What That's were some right. What were some goals you you'd put in place with your guys on the line? Be it sacks, hurries, you know, yards per carry. I mean, what were what were some things that obviously you can tell if you had a good first down, a good second down, did you get off the field on third down, but. Uh, those things are are, are going to be critical for this 2021 nebraska defense that made some strides last year but uh with, with the with the experience back maybe it can be even a, a bigger jump this season for the guys uh, a lot of talent back but you know it, it kind of starts uh, up front obviously and then it's uh it's a work together type uh, agreement the secondary in that line helping one another out getting after the quarterback or or covering the guy that, to get after the quarterback.
6: Well, Schmitty, uh you know, you know, maybe I was a little bit unconventional when it came to that, or you know, the guys that that I learned from, and I was I was very very fortunate um, to be able to have the access to the best uh, when I was coming up, especially when I was named the line Coach. Mm-hmm. You know, first thing I did was visit Great Madison and John Peace and, you know, talk to, you know, all the all the old timers, um, Marinelli, I mean, these, and, you know, the one thing that I learned from, from these guys is, you know, really the, the whole cause and effect of it. Um, you know, so when I said goals, probably the biggest goal, and I don't know if you'd call it a goal is, you know, I, I guess it was more demands than goals and, sure. You know, my job was to make them a better football player and give them a formula. Well, to make you a better football player, you know, knowing what the guy next to you, behind them, and then behind them what they were doing. So, being understand how you fit into into that defense, to me was the most important thing. So, whether you would call that a goal or a demand, you I mean, yeah. you couldn't play unless you knew how the linebackers were fitting. You couldn't play. Unless you knew how the safety was supporting or if it was corner support or in cover two. If you were a six technique, if the back was to you and you had the C gap, did you line up in a six or a seven? So there was just, so that, those type of things to me made you a better football player than I mean, everything else came. Um, you know, when you had really good pass rushers on the edge, uh, it, it was important. To have a good pass rusher inside, and but sometimes you know your your pass rusher, the clayborns the 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 Randy Gregory's, those guys got schemed. So somebody else has to make a play. So you know it might be three guys hitting Randy Gregory and one on one with Malik Collins. Well, that you know to me that there was a demand, not necessarily a goal. There was sure. an expectation that. Listen. If everybody do their job, things are gonna good. Things are gonna happen. So I wasn't necessarily one that hey, we're gonna keep them to this or we want this. You know, sometimes how uh, we had six sacks against Idaho State. You know, that that's great. I could I could have played left tackle for them at that point. You know, I'll, you know, not to disparage Idaho State. They just you know lining up against Eric Martin and they had a real young kid playing there. So my thing is. My goal was to make sure that they were the most capable football player they could possibly be and to meet my expectations, not their expectations. But it was my job to show them what the expectations are and how I was going to get there. Now, did they all like the process? Absolutely not. But they they liked the effect. They liked the result. So, you know, in a nutshell, you know, It was, I demanded that they know the defense. I demanded that they knew what the guy next to him was doing, the guy behind him, and how they fit in the scheme. And the other thing, also knowing the situations, Mm -hmm. knowing the formations, knowing the down and distance, and those type of things. So I wasn't necessarily a guy that, hey, keep them to this, keep them to that, because I've been on both sides of that, uh, you know, where we've kept people to, you know, 30 yards rushing, but they threw for 500. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so, sure. Sure. So it's all relative, and quite frankly, in this day and age, with um, the way they call pass interference and um, the offenses, the high power offenses, you see, you know, a lot of times it, it's getting stops, right? And I think that was, I think that was probably, if you're going to talk about goals, Schmitty, I think it was getting, it was getting stops, and um, you know, not not allowing them to get more than for one first down on a drive so that's how I talk to my guys you know but I'm, a, I'm an old dinosaur I'm seven years removed now but that's that's how I approached my my method of coaching and, and you know I stole that from the guys that I learned from and mm-hmm. you know I was fortunate to learn some from some really really good
2: guys Rick Kaczynski's with us hail varsity radio it's not a numbers thing but it's it's a results thing and I totally get that uh, Kaz what to get your thought here you got uh, Dennis Dodd, CBS Sports Line. He always comes out with a a hot seat ranking, and uh, you, you've got Coach Frost there uh, on the list, number five, winner else. And I I don't I don't know that that's the case, but there is certainly intrigue as to what happens in year four. What kind of progress can you show? But when, when national guys throw that out there. Do you guys hear that as coaches? Does it piss you off, or does it go over your head because you're, you're locked into coaching your guys and getting better?
6: Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's you, you, go, you go to work. You control what you can control. Uh, you know, when you, when you live, I mean, I've mean i I've been a part of teams as a player that lost one game.
2: Mm-hmm.
6: I've been, uh, you know, part of coaching staff that won 10 and 11 multiple times um you know when you won 11 and when you win six the pressure is exactly the same the expectations don't don't change so as a coach there's inherent pressure to to do well not only at, especially individually to put your guys in position to be the best they could possibly be mm-hmm. you know but also you know work on yourself so you could be the best coach you can possibly be and it, it all it all ties together and you know, quite frankly, you know, as a coach, and I'm not—I'm not once again—I'm going to use this word disparaging media or Dennis Dodd or anybody else. You know, um, I'm more concerned. I was always more concerned about what the head coach thought, what my players thought, and you know, if you had a competent AD, what he thought. That—that that was it. You know, that was it. So you do the be- you do your job the best of your ability, and you and. You do everything you possibly can, and then that's what you can control, and that's it. So, you know, it's just hit pieces, all that. Like, uh, yeah, that's not going to change the way you coach. I mean, there's pressure. It's Nebraska. Mm -hmm. Uh, When when hasn't there been pressure to win there? So nothing that Dennis Dodd, all due respect to him, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, where where did he play? Where did he coach? Let me see how many tackles he made on running down on a kickoff. You know, so guys like that, I I don't – I don't pay attention to that. I respect them. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not I'm not saying I don't respect the media, but I have a really hard time when some guy that hasn't done it, hasn't been in the re- in the arena talks about that. But based on what? I mean, you know, what what's you know, you're writing about guys that could possibly be fired and I know that's part of it and coaches are paid handsomely and all that stuff, but I mean, got that with I'm glad my job is to not write about guys possibly losing their jobs Mm -hmm. you know that would kind of suck so that's so to answer your questions you go on with your day man crack a beer on vacation and (laughs) you know what you sit by the pool and you get back and you get you get your guys ready to roll so so that stuff really doesn't play a role there's inherent pressure on you from the get-go from the day you step on campus at any Power 5 school or any school. I mean, I, I mean, heck, when I was coaching high school at, at Erie Cathedral, man, I, I felt pressure. And I don't care 20 years from now, 30, 40, you know, the pressure hasn't changed since Coach Devaney's been there mm-hmm. to Coach Frost here today. So, And that's what you want because if there is no pressure, that means you're at a place that doesn't care. So, you know, who the hell wants to be at a place with, that there's no passion for? You can't have it both ways, man. So, hey, a place like Nebraska, you know there's going to be pressure, and you got to try to live up to those expectations.
2: Rick Kaczynski's with us, Hail Mary City Radio. We'll do some more with Coach Kaz here next segment. Uh, that's his take on the hot seat, of course. Uh, Frost coming in, along with Justin Fuente at number five, and Randy Edsel in at four. Uh, you have Herm Edwards, Ed Orgeron. On the list, along with Jim Harbaugh, Clay Helton. So uh, some guys moving off the list because they were fired. Uh, Dennis Dodd's annual ranking of hot seats. There's a handful of untouchable coaches, uh, the Sabins and Dabos of the world. But uh, Dennis Dodd seems to believe it's kind of winner else for Frost this year. Disagree with that. Yes, you want to see a win. Let's let the problem take care of itself, i.e. wins. For Nebraska football, if you're a big Red fan, I totally get it. But uh, what kind of progress can you see? More from Coach Kaz. We'll uh, spend a few more minutes with him. Uh, earlier in the hour, you heard from Jabba Chamberlain, guy who knows Rob Childress better than most. Uh, his take on Childress's return to the program and the Huskers off to the major leagues. Good stuff from Jabba. Mitch Sherman was earlier. Cade Povich joined us. More with Kaz next on Hale Varsity.
0: And now, and now,
2: back to Hale Varsity Radio. Rick Kaczynski is with us. A few more minutes. It's Hale Varsity Radio. Kaz, as you, you look at Nebraska's schedule, uh, you got to play well in all of them. Uh, there's different weights on the outside put on uh, on on some of the games. What's Ohio State going to look like? What's uh, the Oklahoma game going to look like? You know, Illinois a... A sneaky opener, but uh, you guys in the coaching world, you know, take them one at a time, literally, because you got to. Uh, that said, now uh, as as you look at this schedule, is there a is there a coin flip game? I know there's several, but is there like a barometer game for you as you look at Nebraska?
6: No, absolutely not. I you know you approach each and whether it's Ohio State, Southern Cal, or you know Iowa, Wisconsin, or Illinois, or yeah, you know, Bethune Cookman. You want to approach the. You gotta. You gotta approach things the same, and that's where great, you know, experienced head coaches. That's that's what makes them successful. You know, the can the consistency. Obviously, you know, winning your opener kind of sets the tone. You know, you can get that confidence, especially a team that, um, you know, that, that that's had a little bit of a bumpy ride mm-hmm. um, during the course of Coach Frost tenure you know you, you win that game it's a big 10 game it's on the road you know that that can give you some confidence man you, you need but 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 like i said before in mm-hmm. some of our talks man you gotta you can't you can't be afraid of anything you gotta look at this as a great opportunity man it's a challenge but it's also an opportunity you know it's it's real easy to look at things and and try to find holes in it or you know you gotta expect to win so if i'm a coach i don't care who i'm playing you know, you're, you're expecting to win now. You know, I'm not a, I'm not a fool either, neither are the players. You know, sometimes when you put tape on, you're going to be like, you know, that's a war daddy there. We're going to have a <laughs> hard time with that guy. But, you know, that's your job as a coach and as a staff to make sure that, hey, that guy, by the time Saturday rolls around, you know, he thinks that, uh, you know, he could play for the Dallas Cowboys or the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, in the beginning of the week, he stinks, but you've got to build him up. You know, mm-hmm. that's, your, that's your job as a coach. So, you know, I, and what, I would say, what I would say is Nebraska has to beat the teams that look like them. Mm-hmm. You know, so that, that's, that's the barometer right now. Uh, you got to beat – does Illinois look like them? I think Nebraska looks a little bit better than Illinois, but, but um, Illinois has got a lot of back, and they got a lot back up front mm-hmm. on the O-line um and you know brett knows the league so it's not like you got a new head coach you got a new head coach but you got a new head coach that knows his stuff about this league so it's really not hey you know the hey here's some guy from the outside new staff new scheme you you know exactly what you're going to get from brett um you know iowa um uh, you know i I don't think nebraska looks like wisconsin right now Mm -hmm. uh you know Michigan State, so, you know th- those teams. The, you you got to beat the teams that look like you. So to me, that's the that's the barometer, and and you got to clean up the stuff that has cost you from winning. I know uh, you know people have conversations about you know bowl games, this and that. you know it's it's how it looks, right? I mean, people, Nebraska fans know football. They want football to win a certain way, and I and I believe that. If they see football a certain way and you don't come up with a W, they'll still back you, they'll support you, and you'll still get years there. So to me, I think Scott Frost's team's got to look a certain way this year. Mm-hmm. You know, you got to play great defense, you got to be good on special teams, and you can't turn the ball over. Hey, that's cliche, man, that's easy. But there's a way, you know, there's teams, there's teams, that's what they do. And the wins are going to take care of themselves. So. So to me, Schmitty, you know, the barometer is beating the guys that look like you. And Nebraska should be able to do that this year.
2: Kaz, last thought. Rick Kaczynski with us. Hail Varsity Radio Tuesdays with Kaz. Uh, are you shocked that there's not an AD yet? Or, hey, uh, the, the chancellor said maybe end of July, so that's what he meant.
6: Uh, you know, here, here's my take on the AD. It's kind of like the long snapper, right? You really shouldn't – when do you know the long snapper's name?
2: When he screws up. When he
6: screws up, right? So, you know, to me, the, the AD, the, the, the university, the athletic administration, you know, you, wanna, you want an AD that is going to align with what you already have. You're not bringing an AD. It's not like hiring a new football coach, coming with his philosophy, with his new staff. You know, you, to me, you bring an AD, you know, you don't, want, you don't need him to reinvent the wheel. Um, or, you know, come with all this, you know, all, all these new tricks of the trade and all that. You need an AD to be in the background and just do his job, support the coaches, give them everything they need to win. You don't need a bottom line guy. You know, you don't need a guy with an ego. You know, you need a guy that's going to align with with what the university has stood for, what it stands for. Mm-hmm. All right? That That's all you need. You know, to me – Hey, I think I think Bill Moose was a was a was a great AD. Mm-hmm. I think he gave all those coaches what what they needed to do, what they needed to win. So I, I don't get a I don't get really concerned about who the who the AD is. Um, I think you know you take your time with this. You get somebody that you believe with conviction that is going to align with with Nebraska you know, what Nebraska is. Nebraska has been Nebraska for a long, long, long time. You know, you don't need some attorney or some guy. Not, you know, I'm not fashion attorneys, but you, know, you need an right. AD. Yeah, right? That's what you need. All right? And you need an AD that aligns with Nebraska, you know, not somebody that's going to show you his or her way. Hmm. And, you know, that's my opinion on it. Right now, Nebraska has every single thing they need to win and and they have a great plan moving forward and great vision and you need an ad that can see into the future that's it you can't wait till you're behind to start moving forward and start raising money and getting what you need getting your coaches what they need to be successful so so to me i look at it like the long snapper it's 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 critical can't win with them you need a great one but I shouldn't know, you shouldn't know the AD's name anywhere else but Nebraska, unless the guy screws up. That's when you find out who the, and and let's be honest, Schmitty, you know, too many people across the country know who Nebraska's uh, uh, AD's been. And that's not good, in my opinion. Because yeah, Kiz- they hadn't had, been, they had, they had a few there that they, I'm sure they, that didn't align with what Nebraska is, in my opinion.
2: You're right on. Rick Kaczynski's with us. Kaz, we'll get caught up uh, next week. Thanks so much for squeezing us in.
6: You got it, my man. Thank you for having me on.
2: Gotta love Kaz, man. That was good stuff on, you know, beat the teams you look like, turnovers, special teams. Defense, all that. Great listen, man. Kaz is all over it. Good to hear from him. That'll be posted on the on-demand section, ESPNLincoln.com, uh, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, where you can find our podcast. Give us a review. Subscribe. Doesn't cost you anything. Good, bad, or ugly. We'll uh, gladly take uh, your thoughts and review. Jabba Chamberlain, Rick Kaczynski this hour, Mitch Sherman, Kate Povich last hour, We are uh, lining up uh, Ben Stilley and Jojo Doman tomorrow in studio, which will be cool. As uh, their camp, uh, they're putting a camp on for kids this Saturday. So excited to talk to them. I know they've done some media sessions uh, around, as well as uh, a couple of the Hale Varsity podcasts with Derek Peterson. So good on them. Appreciate them. We'll have more on tomorrow. All-Star game tonight. We will get uh, Elijah Herbel's take on the Home Run Derby shortly. Miss us?
0: Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at HaleVarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hale
2: Varsity Radio. One final time, Hail Volume City Radio, presented by the Nebraska-Hattery, Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. So, who did you put money on last night? Did you have uh, some prop bets going on uh, with a I- guy who tends bar? Or do you, uh, do you make some wages with your friends? My, my wife and kid sat up and watched it. And Pistol Pete was great. He had a great thrower. I mean, talk about sweet spot, location where he could just match, uh, mash. Uh, I thought Salvi was great, but you just ran into some buzzsaws last night. Yeah, get this, actually. I have a
3: friend who works up at the, one of the sports books up in Council Bluffs. Okay. And uh, he posted on his Snapchat, like, who do you guys think is going to win it with, like, all the odds? And I said, uh, can you put down 20 on Pete Alonzo for me? So uh Did he?
2: Yeah, that's what, a what, that's a what, winner for me. What were the
3: odds though? Uh, at that point, it was plus three fifty on Pete Alonso, so he would have been he was like number three in the odds. Mm-hmm. He was behind Shohei, and he was behind uh, Soto. Okay,
2: I believe the okay. two he's behind. So, uh, so, is so was he like three to one? Did you win sixty bucks last night? Yeah, one seventy. Okay, twenty to one seventy. So okay, okay. I'll take that. No, good, good work, good work. No, Otati, though. I mean, he's he's fun. I know he's been the buzz, and then you get the Stephen A. Smith thing thrown in there the last 24 hours but the guy's hitting lead off and then he's you know he's on the hill so well and the he, thing is is he was in
3: the home run derby last night and he hasn't taken batting practice since the end of spring training no i know he's like, he's, he's, he's a free. he doesn't take batting practice and that's why i thought like how is he the favorite here this guy doesn't this guy only hits bombs in games he's not used to somebody He's throwing him slow pitch right in front of you you just get to crush him he's not used to that because he's like 34 right now isn't he uh something like that. 32, yeah, he's 30, yeah, he's he's over the thirty mark. I know that. Sure. And I mean what really let him down last night was the fact that it looked like the guy who was throwing the warm up pitches wanted to, to strike him out. <laughs> yeah, I mean he's throwing
2: <laughs> too fast that close. But you I mean you've got you have a, yeah. a high level of interest in in baseball again. You've got some young phenom, Giotto Tani of course, um, which is cool. Uh you had Vlad Junior. Tatis is, is a party to watch. San Diego's a, a, a fun baseball team. And you've got some new faces in Major League Baseball. Not the new face. I mean, there's no Griffey Jr. out there. There's no Maddox. There's no... But you've got... I mean, Scherzer's been good for a long time. Uh, Mancini was nice with his story mm-hmm. with Baltimore. And even with Salvi, I mean, Sal people. The Royals aren't that far removed from their World Title and back-to-back World Series appearances. I mean, people still love Kansas City. And even just talking with Junior, I mean, he he got to watch two insane games down in Houston. He went with Grandpa Al, where it was it was Garrett, you know, just just manning up and winning one nothing against Houston. Yeah, with, and
3: refusing with, to be taken out of the
2: game. Yeah, with. I don't know, I kind of blacked out and there was lots of F-bombs, that was his explanation <laughs> <laughs> when when, uh, when he was talked to by the manager and and then you had Aaron Judge go yard and then you had, you know I can't say what my my kid called El Tuve on air but you had that walk-off moment, so baseball's alive and well Full day of football tomorrow with Hale Varsity.